central bank purchases of private securities, we see that central banks themselves could easily be some of the largest funders in their economies. And thus, there's a very clear role for central bankers as funders, even if not as funders of last resort, but as funders overall. The figure we see in front of us looks at central bank assets in various countries, these assets can easily exceed 20, 40, even half of GDP in some jurisdictions. Central Bank of Bhutan's assets exceed roughly 50% of GDP, assuming these data are correct. We've seen huge increases in the value of these assets in Japan and the US, though we've even seen relatively large central bank holdings in places like the Ukraine, Azerbaijan, and Turkey, suggesting not only the importance of central bank funding to private sector companies outside of monetary transmission mechanisms. Continuing on this theme of the central bank as a main funder in its own right, figure 9 shows us the private asset purchases of these central banks as a share of investment in many economies. This percent is very large in places like the US where emergency measures were undertaken, in Japan, interestingly in Eritrea, Armenia, uh, Central African Republic. In many countries they're much smaller and to some extent our paper asks, well, would companies in places like Bangladesh, Nicaragua, Macedonia benefit if these central banks were to actually purchase more private sector securities. One of the main objections to central bank finance in general has been its effect on inflation. If central bank prints money and output grows, you're not getting inflation. In other words, if you have four cars and four dollars and suddenly you make five cars and five dollars, you haven't initiated any kind of inflationary spiral. One of the other criticisms of this unconventional monetary policy is that central banks could lose a large amount of money, particularly during the unwinding of their asset purchases. And what we see from the initial data is that these central banks have made money in the past, and most economists expect that they will continue to do so in the future. There might be short periods of losses where a central bank has to step in and buy assets whose prices are falling very quickly in order to get these lovely effects of decreasing risk and increasing overall asset prices, but in the longer run we expect not only private investors to make money, but also these central banks. Without belaboring the point too much, figure 23b also shows that European central banks have made money from supporting crisis economies in the past, and we expect even non-European central banks to similarly profit, assuming rather obviously that they make good investments. If a central bank makes bad investments, then of course all bets are off. Moreover, let us even assume the central bank would incur losses during some kind of stabilization program or even as the result of some program trying to introduce economic growth. 
if that's the case, figure 31 shows the estimated losses of various shocks to an economy. But what we argue in the paper is that it's far better for the economy overall to socialize those losses rather than to concentrate them on particular companies, especially productive companies, unlike banks that are not in a position to handle very volatile swings in asset prices. Now, what are some of the arguments for a central bank serving a more systemic role as a funder of last resort? As we discuss in our paper, historically, the central bank and the development bank were often fused in the same organization until being split apart under a new wave of thinking in the 20th century. And what we see in figure 27, central banks might still be able to serve this kind of developmental role that they've been stripped from accidentally. The infographic you see in front of you shows the quality of financial sectors around the world. As we see in North America and most of Western Europe, banks work just fine. There's no necessary reason why a central bank needs to start allocating credit to productive companies. In other jurisdictions, such as Russia, China, Saudi Arabia, we see that there is a role for a type of funder of last resort. And unsurprisingly, their central banks and other government agencies already play this role. But in certain jurisdictions, we don't believe they're playing enough of a role as a funder of last resort because it's been taboo for a central bank to provide the kind of resources necessary to fund all the productive investments needed in an economy that banks and other financial institutions just can't fund, that they haven't been allocating enough resources.